0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another One Used Devo. We are glad that you are with us and that you're listening. Uh, it's a, kind of a serious Devo today. Today we're talking about um, Jesus, the crucifixion, and the death of Jesus, which uh, is Good Friday. And we'll talk a little bit about that, maybe why it would be called good in the first place. So, um, as always, uh, with me is Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Uh hanging out at home. Yeah, everyone's laying low right now. Patrick uh, doesn't like to do things in a small way. So we did a fundraiser last night, and Patrick shaved his head. Yep. Um, He shaved his head to raise money for our Compassion children, Hazel and Allison. And how did that go, Pat? We we raised 140% more money than our
1: goal. Our goal was $1,000, and we raised... $2,400,
0: $2,400, which is amazing. It's amazing. It's also amazing in you know the midst of this time where we can't even see anyone face-to-face other than digitally. People decide to step up and help out, which is great. What a great thing to do during Holy Week, too, where we can think about other people, not just about ourselves. So um, today, uh, we are going to be talking about the burial and the, um, not the burial of Jesus, but before that, we're going to be talking about the death of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, a lot happened in the last 24, 48 hours of Jesus' life. A lot of events, a lot of events that are recorded in scripture. Some of those events are, are kind of from different gospels. Um, and there's even recordings of Jesus' death in things that are not uh, in the Bible. So Josephus put something in there and there's a few others where the events of Jesus' life and his death was a big deal, even at the time, from a historical perspective, that even decades later, it was still something that people uh, remembered and recounted, even though they weren't exactly sure what it was about, or maybe they didn't even have faith necessarily, but they knew it was something that was important. And uh, I can draw a parallel to, like, right now. You know, a lot of people are going to remember the coronavirus time because it affects everyone. Yeah,
1: it's the only time in my life where uh, everyone in the world agreed on something and was doing something
0: together. There's 100% unity in the whole world. Yeah, and it's amazing that everyone is like, yeah, we think this is bad. This is not good. Uh, It's kind of a black and white thing here and And as polarized as people are and as much as people like to fight, um, I don't know anyone that really wants to uh, take the side of coronavirus right now, right? (laughs) I have not heard that argument
1: at all. No one is saying, no one is pro-coronavirus
0: as far as I know. No, they're not. They're not. And if they are, I would suggest they keep that to themselves. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 27 and we're looking at verses 45, and we're going to go through 54 on this one. And uh, this, is, this is just part of the end of Jesus' life. This is the actual death. Uh, Jesus went through several trials. Jesus was um, beaten very severely. They gave him um, so many lashes with a cat of nine tails that most likely— Uh, He he could have theoretically died just from that alone because of the blood loss uh, and the trauma on his body at that point. Um, He was most likely dehydrated. Uh, He he hadn't had any wine to drink. He actually refused some wine to drink. Um, He was not in a good place physically. He's about ready to die. Uh, Some of us have been in a bad spot physically, but to be right on the verge, right on the edge of death, Uh, It's kind of a whole nother thing. Yeah. And so we're joining in with with these events of what happened. We're joining in with them um, right at the point where Jesus is going to die here. So again, this is Matthew 27 verses 45 is where I'm going to start. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. It's kind of epic, huh, Patrick? I That's one of the
1: emotions. Uh, epic is one. Uh, shock is one. But if you think of the word epic as a, uh, a narrative instead of uh, something that's super cool, I guess this is all
0: uh epic yeah yeah for me when i say epic it's not epic as an epic good it's epic as in just uh, very dramatic right so like this is an, an exceptional day uh, exceptional time that's happening here
1: yeah and I, I it's dramatic but at the same time it's kind of peaceful because it is like it's so perfect
0: yeah It is. So there's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot of things that are happening. Now, if you've been around Christianity at all, you know Jesus is the central figure in Christianity. You'll also know that Jesus is God. um, And sometimes that's super confusing because we talk about God, but we also talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus as also God's son. And then there's this Holy Spirit thing. uh, And that's what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, And so we have this, this person, Jesus, who dies, who is God and that God dies as a sacrificial lamb or an atonement is kind of the big word for it, um, who ends up being the sacrifice for us. And that gets a little weird. You're like, why would someone dying for me 2000 years ago, what would that have to do with me today and me making a mistake? Right. It just seems so distant, so far away. Um, but I think what, is helpful, at least what's helpful for me to realize, is what's happening here is a timeless reality, right? It's outside Mm. of time. Yeah. God is doing something that's so big that it can't even be contained to one time, to one place. So when we hear about this death of Jesus, we see that there's this epic thing that's happening, meaning it's an amazing thing. It's a huge thing. It's a gigantic thing. Um, From the beginning, it says, from noon till three, there there was darkness came over the land, and I think that this is talking about a real darkness, right? This isn't saying like, oh, people kind of started to feel a little bit down or everyone was a little sad. That really wasn't it. There was actually a real, real darkness, a tangible darkness. Yeah. In my Bible, um, there's actually a little note where it takes us back to, uh, to Amos, to a prophet. And, and it's Amos 8, 9. It says, in that day declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. So that's Whoa. the prophecy that points towards this event happening. So yeah. uh, in this book of Matthew, as we're recording it, you know, Matthew's making sure in some way, you know, recording these events and maybe knowing Amos is saying, this is a prophetic thing that happened. This is a big deal. Uh, which is pretty crazy. And then we get back to some of Jesus' last words. Um, there's many kind of different versions of how many words Jesus said on the cross, exactly what they are. The seven what last words of Jesus is kind of a popular idea. Um, but here we have one, and it's this um, saying that's in Aramaic, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So you read it, you're like, why would God say that he's forsaken? Like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're like, wait, how could Jesus ever be forsaken? So there's two kind of thoughts on this. Um, one is that when Jesus was on the cross and all of the sin of the world was resting upon him or on his shoulders, um, sin really is like separation from God. It's distance from God. And when Jesus took on all the sin of the world, there was this sin on him that had in some way him be separate from God. Hmm. Now that's one, that's one kind of version of that. uh, And that's where people will read this and and maybe think like, Oh man, you know, God's taken on all this sin um, in that. And so there must be some separation. There must be something that's keeping God separate from Jesus in this point. However, Um, a good way to look at this is the next verse says, when when some of those standing there heard this, it said, he's calling Elijah. Why would they say he's calling Elijah? Like, that's kind of a weird thing to say. But if you look at this line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's actually Psalm 22, the 22nd Psalm. Oh, it's, uh, it's the beginning of the 22nd Psalm, which means that, um, Usually when you would recite a psalm, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm going to recite Psalm 22 because they didn't have numbers on them back then. Uh You would just say the first line, right? So like Jesus Mm -hmm. is like reciting a song and these were actually songs. So yeah, he's up there and he's singing Psalm 22. And if you get a chance, anyone out there, read Psalm 22 this week and you will read the prophecy about Jesus. It talks very specifically about things that will happen to God's servant, and it gives some exact things that did happen to Jesus uh, in Psalm 22, and it's really like kind of crazy because it's from so long before Jesus was even around uh, that we know that um, it wasn't altered in order for it to better fit, um, which is a crazy deal, so... These people say he's calling Elijah probably because he's reading scripture. And Elijah was considered to be the greatest prophet in all uh, of Israel's history. Um, Elijah was considered like the guy. This was the one, you know. Elijah was the one who rode up to heaven on a chariot of fire. Um, <laughs> like, pretty, you know, thinking about epic things, right? He's yeah. the one who's like, right? He's like, he didn't even die, right? And so. <laughs> if you if you think about man, if you're gonna go and you're gonna go big <laughs> elijah Elijah went pretty big, yeah. you know a chariot of fire carried it, like what in the world crazy uh, so Jesus going when he leaves you know is I think one of the questions is going to be is is he gonna go in a big way yeah so so Jesus had done all these miracles, he'd performed all this amazing stuff people had seen folks raised from the dead. Uh, Jesus had done that. Jesus had fed 5,000 people. He'd fed 4,000 people. Uh, Jesus had challenged the powers and the rulers. Jesus had spoken words and they'd seen these these sinners and these people turn their lives around and want to follow God. And so Jesus was this person, this character, so polarizing at some times, but also unifying. People wanted him to be king. Just, I mean, think about it, man. Just like at the beginning of this week, it hadn't even been a week. They were laying down the palm branches. They were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Like what we talked about on Sunday. Exactly. And now they're watching him die on a cross. Yeah. And they don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. And they're so, terrified. <laughs> yeah. They're freaked out. I I mean, I'd be freaked out. I'd be sad. I'd be like angry. You know, it's kind of like all the emotions would probably flood out all at once if you're following Jesus. Now, if you're not following Jesus and you're like, yeah, well, you know, good riddance. I don't like this guy. um, It's still a shocking event to have someone, you know, someone's life leaving them right in front of your eyes. Yeah. Um, So what did they do? It said immediately they ran and got a sponge, filled it with wine vinegar, which is kind of just like, you know, vinegar. Put it on a staff and offered it for him to drink. Again, like gross i don't know like that's i don't know gross. why that would be yeah i don't know why like that would be more torture than help um <laughs> maybe and then it said maybe yeah. that was
1: the point of it maybe that was their point
0: yeah like are they trying to help him out or are they trying to like you know mess him up um it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird deal um Now this also, some people would point back to Psalm 69 verse 21 that says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Um, Kind of pointing back to more Psalms, pointing back to more prophecy to Jesus in this moment. So they gave him this thing to drink. The rest of the people were like, hey, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. So they're sitting here. They're like, let's just watch this show. Let's see what spectacle is going to happen. Well, and they,
1: they could have been thinking they're going to get to see one of the wildest things ever, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. better than Seriously. a chariot of fire. Or right. they might be thinking it's just going to kind of be quick or it's going to take a long time. I mean, who knows what the murmur in the crowd was at that point. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, people might have been saying, like, hey, this guy's a big deal. He's a prophet. We've seen all this crazy stuff. Like, this will will be good. Or maybe people were even thinking, like, his disciples are going to show up any minute and and save him and start a big war. You know, like, who knows? Who really knows? (laughs) Yeah. And so here come the fireworks. This is where the fireworks start to happen. And I think sometimes we forget about it because Jesus dies, you know? And when the hero dies in any story, um, usually... It's, it's just sad. There's no redemption. It's like the hero's dead. The hero's gone. That's it. Uh, and so the hero dies, but then all these like crazy things happen. So verse 51 tells us that at that moment, the moment when Jesus cried out, gave up his spirit, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. So like... Dang. Wow, right? Um, yeah I any thoughts on any of that <laughs> stuff, Pat? you know
1: I when I read scripture, especially in the gospels, I always like to think of the sound you know and yeah. I don't know why it's just like something <laughs> that I, I I do. So the sound of that to kind of help me picture it more, the sound of the uh, curtain of the temple uh, like of the most holy room. Uh, probably loud, I guess. Um, (laughs) but you know, the earth is shaking. Yes. You know, earthquakes can be loud. I've heard some loud earthquakes before. Uh, Gnarly rocks splitting. Oh man, who knows how loud that is. Um, and the tombs broke open. Uh, yeah, that's just all of that happening all at once would just be, um, Chaotic, also kind of in awe. Also, um, if anyone had any doubts as as to who Jesus was up until this point, you know, standing in the crowd saying, okay, now let's see what's going to happen.
0: Um, oh my gosh. That's like a wake up call. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just the earthquake part. So a few <laughs> years ago on Easter, there was an earthquake and I had, so I had a friend over at my house And, uh, we're all hanging out and I looked down the hallway and all the lights flashed down the hallway. Whoa. And I thought, whoa, that was weird. It was like a power surge or something. And then all of a sudden the roll, the slow roll of an earthquake started to happen. And someone said, what do we do? Where do we go? You know, like, do we run outside? Do we, uh, you know, jump in another room? How do we deal with this? And you can kind of tell with earthquakes, how big they are kind of right away. Yeah. Um, And I could tell in our place we were relatively safe. So we just kind of hung out where we were at, let it roll out, and it happened. And I just thought, man, this is an epic thing to happen, and especially on Easter. And it just kind of reminded me back to this passage of on Good Friday, uh, Jesus, when he died, you know, know, Jesus even said, the rocks are going to cry out, man. The rocks will cry out. And so here we have the rocks crying out. Uh, the rocks are splitting. And like you said, the sound of a rock splitting would have to be deafening. The yeah. sound of an earthquake is pretty is pretty amazing, too. It's like everything in the world just starts rattling and shaking. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredible sound. Yeah. So then we have the zombie issue that happens next. <laughs> uh it, I know man. Anyone who ever reads scripture knows if you're into it and you look into it or if you've even googled zombies in the Bible. Uh this is the zombie passage because it actually <laughs> says and again, we I I'm not going to I'm not here to to like explain away every single thing. I don't want to. I think there's some things that are mysterious in the Bible and and this is kind of one of them. Um it says the tombs broke open, right? And the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Yeah, uh, They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Um, yikes. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think about all the holy people who have lived ever and to think that maybe these people would, would like come back to life and be raised from the dead is scary to think about. Uh, You would think that it probably would be better for them to like be in heaven, not to be like walking around or whatever. Um, But I think about this and wonder, man, it says that after the resurrection uh, uh, is when they kind of went out and appeared to many people. Um, but it also says they were raised to life. So when did that happen? Did that happen right at the moment of Jesus' death? Did it happen at the moment of his resurrection? Um, yeah. It's mentioned here. So I think probably the the author here is writing and telling us like, hey, here's the events of what happened. Here's how epic this was. Yeah. But I I also
1: think, uh you know, zombies, creepy, wild, but at the same time, um, again... To the people that might have still been skeptical of everything, uh, for them to see that maybe some of them were like kind of freaked out, but uh you think about it, maybe someone in the crowd saw a loved one in that moment. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't scary. Maybe it was um it was reassuring, or um I just think that's what I think about too is Maybe this wasn't a, a scary experience for some people right. I think for more yeah. than not it probably was but in, sure, yeah. in the mess of everyone going around the the like spirits of people going around the city and you see someone that you know that is that changes the whole
0: the whole thing for anyone yes, absolutely and you know it is the spirits of uh, the spirit of people maybe that you know. Or people who are holy. So these are, you know, these were good people. These were holy people. These were people who pointed others towards God. We don't know who they were. We know that Jerusalem was a very significant town with many significant people who were there. It doesn't name them, which is probably fine. Um, but it, it, to me, it almost feels like the resurrection power of God was so big and hit so severely and such an. I mean, it's such a powerful thing to happen that it's almost like it escaped out to a few other people around. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like this event was so epic that even people close to it got caught up in it. Yeah. Um, and God, you know, God, God uh, is not containable, but God can contain God's own power, if that makes sense, right? So like yeah. God is not something that can be contained except only by God. Uh, meaning that if God wants to have one person be resurrected and one person not, God can do that. Um, But we do see just sort of this like spill over of God's grace and love. Um, And like you said, I don't think it was necessarily meant to be creepy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. In verse 54, our last verse here, which is uh, pretty amazing. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened... They were terrified, right? Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Maybe you would be too. So here's the deal, man. You are the one who has has basically put this guy to death, right? One of these centurions and the people guarding, the people that are there may have been, most likely, would have been the people who hammered the nails into Jesus' hands and into Jesus' feet. Dang. Dang. These may have been the same people who whipped him with a cat of nine tails. These may have been the people who uh, who are making sure that no one tries to get him down. These are the people who are putting him to death uh, or at least who, who can claim the most responsibility for it. Yeah. And all of a sudden they realize, uh-oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh-oh. A big uh-oh. A big uh uh-oh. It's like, oh, what did we do? Yeah. What did we do? So put yourself in the moment. You're there. This is happening. This is your job. This isn't your first time doing this. But you do it, and all of a sudden, the sun goes down in the middle of the day. At noon, the sun goes down, and it's dark. And then there's a mighty earthquake... All those sounds are happening. We don't know if, you know, you're seeing dead people or not yet, but like it's getting to that point. Um, you're pretty you're pretty freaked out at this point, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so their response is this, right? They're terrified and they exclaimed, Surely he was the son of God. Um the first people here after Jesus dies to to make a right statement about him, were the very people who put him to death. Yeah, surely he was the son of God. Yeah. yeah, And in Matthew's gospel, the first people who uh, who get to hear that Jesus is coming end up being, um, you know, poor shepherd boys and uh, sorcerer type people. You know, the Magi, uh-huh. uh, who were astrologers. They weren't. They weren't churchy people. They were the opposite. So uh, in the gospel of Matthew, we see that Jesus is not just for holy, perfect people. It's for people who... He's for people who are willing to acknowledge and to say that he was the Son of God. Yeah. And that is an incredible thing that we have in this Matthew uh, story. Now, another thing that's worth noting here, um, and I don't know if I'd recommend this movie, but years ago, someone made a movie about the passion of the Christ, uh, which... Uh, was was sort of given some criticism because it was super gruesome, super bloody, super violent. It was like rated R, like very much <laughs> rated R just because of the violence in it. Yeah. And a lot of churches were like, oh, shoot, like we can't let our kids see this. Uh, and they probably shouldn't because it's just like too graphic. Um, I watched that movie and uh, one of the scenes they show um, a centurion hammer the nail into Jesus' hand. And I learned later when they did that, the guy that made the movie demanded that he be the person to do that scene. He wanted it to be his hands that were doing the nailing. Whoa. Because, because he wanted people to know, and I I appreciate this. He wanted people to know that he is just as responsible for putting Jesus on the cross as anyone else. Um, And he, he wanted people to know that. And, and that's what that's what it comes down to, right? It's like you do something wrong. Jesus had to pay for that sin and he did so by going on the cross for us. Yeah. Um, and the reason he did that isn't because um, he he uh, you know sin has to be dealt with and he's like, well, that's my job. I'm the one who's supposed to do it. He did it out of obedience to the Father, but why did the Father have him do that? Because God loves us. God mm. loves us so much he was willing to go through all of that torment and agony. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about Good Friday, when we're thinking about what's good about it, what's good about it is that God loves us so much. Yeah. And it's proof, man. It is proof. Uh, um, that is you, good news. That is absolutely 100% good news. Yeah. Is that... If you if you've you know and some people do this all the time they say hey you know show me that you love me or prove that you love me you know prove your love for me Um, that's kind of like, you know, a high school relationship or something. It's like, oh, I have to prove that I love this person. So I have to buy him a gift or I have to do some favor for them. Or I have to, you know, ditch all my friends so I can hang out with my girlfriend or, you know, whatever (laughs) it might be. People try to prove their love to each other. Um, and, and there's really, you know, the Bible even tells us greater love has no one than this, that he who lays down his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's pointing right to Jesus, right to this passage that we are reading today. And so anyone out there, too, if you're listening to the show uh, and you have maybe heard this story for the first time, I'd encourage you to get into your Bible, uh, find a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, go towards the back, and you'll see some title headings that'll say the crucifixion, um, and you can read the story. You can read it. And you can see what it's about for yourself. Yeah. And as you're reading it, just know that, that again, that this was all because Jesus loves you, loves me, loves the people in your life who maybe don't feel lovely. Uh, that's what God does. That's what God is about. And so all we need to do, what how is our response to that? We respond in gratitude. Um, by accepting that reality and by proclaiming like the centurion proclaimed, surely he is the son of God. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.